Hello and welcome to the Career Changers podcast. I'm Elisa Martinic and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of the Career Changers. I'm definitely one of them. I learned from my experience that following our dreams requires courage, self-awareness and a lot of inner work. I love to discover stories of career change and share them with the world as a source of inspiration for all those who are still searching. Career changes are not a straightforward chronology written in our CVs, but the sum up of our dreams, ambitions, failures and successes. The Career Changers is an online community that aims to inspire thousands of people during their journey to self-realization. We discover and share inspirational real-life stories of career change. We inspire people that are thinking to change career. We support people that want or need to change career, but feel stuck or lacking confidence and clarity. We connect and collaborate with organizations that support career change across different industries. I believe that thinking to have only one job or career in our life is a limiting belief, unless the job or that career make us happy. Life is a journey, and with one third of our lives spent working, it would be unimaginable to not have a desire to explore new avenues. Welcome to the Career Changers podcast. Hello and welcome to the Career Changers. Our guest today is Nick Frick, a career coach who helps new moms who don't want to go back to their jobs find new jobs they love. Nick's background spans a career built through tech, customer service, recruiting, and teaching yoga. Her programs integrate forgotten practices that support careers, inner growth, and redefines what work-life balance and sustainability are all about. This holistic approach ensures that every mom gets the support they need and deserve. Today, she's going to share her life experience and wisdom with us. Hi, Nick. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. That's great. So, well, welcome to the Career Changers. And um, we are, of course, curious to know everything about your professional background. So how did you start your professional life? Or better, what was your first job? Um, My first job was actually working on the sales floor at Sears, which if you're in the United States, that's like a big... um, home goods store that sells like dishwashers, washing machines. And I was in the the home goods area. So I was selling like blenders and toasters and stuff like that, which was like not anything I was interested in, but it was close to the house and just like, I needed money. (laughs) (laughs) How old were you? Um, I was in high school at the time and just needed to find something to do on the weekends and the evenings to to get some money to go to the movies every single weekend, really. (laughs) And what was your dream job when you were a child? I, um, my dream job was to be a vet. I loved animals and really wanted to do that. But as soon as I started, I actually went to started school to become a vet. And I went to college to, to do that in pre-vet. And when I started taking classes and had to take organic chemistry. I was like, this, this isn't going to work for me. Like I am not going to be able to do this if I have to do this much science. And later I ended up realizing that what I liked about 
veterinary medicine or of the vet that I saw in my city was that they owned their own business. They got to like do what they wanted and own their schedule and also spend time with animals all day. And I just thought that was like really cool. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, you had a passion, but um, you didn't follow that. So what is actually your educational background? Yeah. So when I was in college, I changed my vet, my my major from veterinary pre-vet to family social science. And the way that I did that is my school counselor that I was seeing, cause I was so confused and stuck and like really anxious about the work that I was doing. Cause it didn't match. And it just was making me feel like really, really lacking confidence and feeling like I didn't, that I should know what I would be like at 18, I should know what to do. And I didn't. And so what they did was hand me like the book of courses. And they were like, look at the courses and see which ones look the most interesting to you. And from there, I chose family social science. And it was like in its primary, like in its origin, it was, I think it was only a couple years old at the time. And it was really the start of a new um, major that would push into like family therapy, couples therapy, and that sort of thing. And so that was like the most interesting classes that were like, that interested me. So I went family social science there. And then from there got um, certified also later in teaching yoga. Mm. So um, today you are a coach and you're helping mom to find the careers or job they love. Um, But you had several careers as well. And you uh, made a career change. How and when did you start thinking about becoming a coach? Mm, I think I started, like I mentioned way back in college without even realizing it. Right. So that kind of supporting people, helping them to find their highest potential and like growth was really always interesting to me. And one of my favorite classes in college, actually, this is so funny to me still, is we had a class with, um, six, we, it was called family dynamics of the show six feet under. And so we like talked about the relationships between all of the siblings and the parents. And I just found that to be so fascinating to still, to be able to like visualize that in a television show. And so I guess when I think about becoming a coach, it was like, I've always had this thread that's been pushing me to be a coach, but I've never listened to the voice. It was like, I had turned the volume down on it so much that I kept taking other jobs because I had been trained in our culture and in my family that like you take a job because you need money and you need a, a steady paycheck and you need stability. And that was like a very important core value. And because of that, I stopped listening to the, the voice that was like, try this. You're probably very good at it. Try it. Um, and so that's when I think I started thinking about it. Mm, that's really interesting. Sometimes um, we make choices for the wrong reason, mm-hmm. um, but then they come back to us later. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They get they get louder. They're like, "Okay, we'll let you do this for a little bit, but like we'll be back, and it's going to be harder." <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you had several careers. How did you transition from one career to the other, and why? Yeah. I think by the time I joined Whole Foods, that was when I was like starting my career before that. I think I had jobs that just took up time and, and paid me. Um, and my career started at Whole Foods when I was leading the customer service team there. And then I transitioned from there to tech 
by taking on a more of a customer service role inside of a tech company. So I was doing office coordination and I was okay at it, but not great. And it, it gave me a lot of stress. It kept me up at night worrying about things like stocking the refrigerator, making sure people were like cleaning up after themselves, like making sure that computers were set up. Like it just didn't make sense to the things that I was interested in. But what it did do was help me to create a story from believing in that people who were not in tech can't get into tech. So I created, I was able to like rebrand and like create that story of going from non-tech to tech. And then from there, how I transitioned from that customer service, like office coordinator role was I reached out to one of the recruiters who actually, I, who I worked with. And I asked her to start sending me all of the messages that she was getting on LinkedIn for jobs because recruiters love to see that they're, they love to see, I'm not interested, but this person is interested. And so they get a lead without having to do much work. And so I realized that why I wanted to move into recruiting was because when I was in Whole Foods, what I really loved about it was like interviewing people and training my team and seeing if they, and just like supporting them in ways that I, I could, which was like helping them with mentorship, really elevating what we'd call the bench. So like making the cashiers stronger in their role so that they could eventually move up and just like really, really relationship development and career development was super important to me. And that kind of just was exactly what recruiting was. And I got to like work at really awesome companies and sell really cool products to these people and also like change their life, right. By giving them jobs that they wanted that were a match for both the company and for them. Mm-hmm. And then as I continued to transition, I moved. Now I'm a coach, which just like puts all of the things together. <laughs> So what challenges did you have to overcome to transition uh, your career several times? <laughs> I think what I had to overcome was fear of failure. Like I just found a letter to myself that I wrote. I don't know if I wrote it to myself or if I wrote it to someone else, but it was from December 31st, uh, 2005 or six. And I had written to myself, like, this is the year I'm moving to Peru, but that wouldn't, that would mean that I would have to like up Peru or South, like moving to South America or Peru, which was, had been a dream since I started learning Spanish in elementary school. And I was like, this is the year, this is the year. And I had written in it, like, this is the year that I stop not doing things because I'm afraid of failing. And that was in 2005. But I didn't go to Peru until 2008. So it took me three years to like overcome that fear of having to quit a job, having to tell my friends, having to save up money, or actually just, I actually took out a loan to do that because I um, really wanted to do that. And it was really an investment for me, for my future. And one of the, yeah, so the fear was like failure, not doing things that I didn't like being afraid to even try because I didn't want to fail. And then also like confidence. And I actually had, I broke my foot eight weeks before I was supposed to move to Peru. And it takes eight weeks to heal your foot generally to get to Peru. So I had a boot on when I went on the plane to move across the world. And it was just like, so clear that like, Oh, if you want this, you got to take it now, even if your foot's broken. 
like this, it was like a test every single time. Like, do you really want this? Do you really want this? And I really did. And it was the first time I think that I listened to my intuition and was like, oh, this is what I have to do. Even if I have to feel super, super uncomfortable doing it. Did you think it was a form of um, self-sabotage in some yeah, way? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely think that um, The Big Leap had a part of it, that book that's like, you're definitely self-sabotaging yourself. I'm like, yeah, I probably broke my foot on purpose so that I could say that I couldn't do it. Um, absolutely. I think you're right, Elisa. <laughs> so um, how... Why did you, once after you started, uh, you, t- you changed your career, you become a coach. Why did you choose uh, specifically to help new mom in their careers? I chose specifically new moms because I am a new mom. And also we need a lot of support that we don't ask for. And so I think moms have this really amazing life change that happens when you have a new person come into your family because it changes your values in a split second and families become so much more important than they used to be where our careers and sometimes our relationships like took took center stage and all of a sudden this child needs to stay alive and so what can we do to make sure that they stay alive but that you that moms remember who they are who they're responsible for first themselves and that comes in the form of taking care of their careers, taking care of themselves, and then giving the excess that they have to their kids and to the rest of their family and relationships. And I think I chose new mom specifically because I feel it in my heart that I, that there's this fear around like leaving the the workforce, not knowing how to talk about being a stay-at-home mom, not knowing how to talk about any breaks that they need to take for the family, not knowing how to ask for exactly what they want in negotiations or even sometimes what they want, like they don't even know what they want at all. So being a person who can like mirror back to them and remind them of their amazingness and then help them get the job that they either were afraid to get before, didn't know how to get before, or are just ready to take on a new challenge because their life is so different now that they want. Like for me, I became a coach because I was like doing this for free for a very long time and finally realized it. But also because when my daughter was born, I realized that there was nothing else. I, I couldn't do any job that I didn't love at that point. Like if I was going to be leaving her side for any reason, it had to be for something that was worth it. And this is the only thing I imagine myself doing. Like this is a hundred percent worth it. And she's at daycare and I'm here and I get to talk to people like you. And it's the best, the best. So how does mother change women and uh, their careers? Yeah, I think immediately they change. It changes because we become responsible for another human being. And sometimes moms haven't and parents haven't really been able to take care of themselves before and don't know how to really provide the nurturing that we need for ourselves to be able to also nurture nourishingly to another person. And so like values immediately change. Flexibility is increased. Like the need for flexibility is increased. The need for carving time out of your day to remember who you are and take care of yourself becomes so much smaller than it used to be, but it becomes even more important and understanding like the importance of like they say on the airplane, put your mask on first. Like, I think you need to also do that in your own home and masks are very like come in various forms for different people. 
And so figuring out what your mask looks like so that you can be thriving and also take care of a child who you also want to thrive and show that you, that when you're thriving, like the baby sees that you get to thrive also. And that gives them permission to like ask for what they need in the future and see it model back towards them. Yeah, that's so true. It's like, uh, we cannot love someone else if we don't love ourselves first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, while you work with a new mom, so in your experience, what are the biggest challenges that women have to face in their career after they become a mom? I think one of the biggest challenge is, is if they haven't had practice with boundaries, it becomes super, super important in that moment. And this means boundaries with work. This means boundaries around their time at home. This means boundaries around if they have a spouse at home or a a parent, a co-parent to take care of their child, like creating and understanding how much work they're putting into work, into being a mom. And then oftentimes like the second shift that happens when they get home from work, which is doing all the laundry and taking care of the home and being a housekeeper basically. Um, so making sure that understanding that we can't do it all and figuring out how to be able to do enough that feels like we're progressing, but that we're not giving everything away from, from ourselves. So through your practice, how do you support uh, these new moms? Some of the ways that I support them is by starting all the way back with like, what's important to them. And this might even be before their baby was born. Like, what did you love doing before, before this baby came into your life or these children are here and really helping to them to reconnect to themselves and their desires and their wishes and dreams that they might've had a long time ago that they forgot about or have been afraid to, to talk about. And then from there, we start creating, um, a plan around their values, around what they love doing, and then only applying to jobs that they actually want to have. And so when I hear a person has applied to a hundred jobs, like it doesn't make sense to me because I can't even name a hundred places that I would want to work that have values that are the same as mine or a mission that is interesting to me. And so I want to make sure that women or the moms and the parents that I'm giving support to are really only prioritizing things that will make them happy and will make them feel fulfilled, not just like whatever crumbs they think they can manage to get at a job. And sometimes those types of jobs are important to take if we need to have have the resources and finances to cover bills and stuff. I'm not saying that that's not important, but there might come a time when you need something bigger at work that isn't that's more about impact and your your outside feelings. <laughs> yeah so um well very interesting work and i think there are lots of mom out there that need this type of support um to recenter themselves and to identify their needs um so you mentioned that self-care is the first place to begin our career change strategy can you tell us more oh yeah i would i could talk about this all day so <laughs> i think one of the first ways to sell like practice self-care is the boundaries thing, the boundaries setup that I talked about last time, like in the last question, which was like boundaries help us to carve out the time that we need. It's not saying no or being mean or being a, a bad person. It's like allowing ourselves to be in the place that we need to be. And that's really self-care. Like 
managing our time and energy, which is like the only thing we own is, is the most important. And the way that I help people to do that with self-care is like starting really small. So starting with a, an easy ask, like, Hey babe, on Tuesday nights, like I want to take a bath. So can you take care of our child so that I have free time for like an hour or on Thursday mornings before work, I need to go on a walk. Cause I really love to sit on the mountain or like sit outside on the bench. And so just doing tiny, tiny things that, that feel like a, an easy win, like a, like every morning, I just want to wake up and do like 15 minutes of sitting or even five or like three sit-ups or three jumping jacks or like every morning I dance to one song. And so you start like building what I call this like courage muscle where you do one and then the harder ones get easier. And I would never recommend someone start with like family boundaries or like stuff with their parents. Cause it's just a little more challenging. Like we want to start with smaller ones, like, like another boundary that I've had a client work through is like making sure that t- she takes lunch every day, where in the past she would take, she wouldn't take lunch. She wouldn't leave her desk and she would just like sh- shove food in her mouth during work and not even leave her desk at all. And so one of her self-care was shutting her laptop at lunch, leaving the house during the pandemic now, and then not looking at it. And so the first day she told her coworkers that she was going to do it and she was going to be unavailable for her lunch hour. And they were like, okay, we'll cover you. And she was like, you don't need to cover me. Like, I'm just taking my lunch. We all have a lunch break. And the next day was like a little bit harder. And I don't even think she did it. And then on the Wednesday of that week, she did it, but only half the time. And the whole entire time she was like worried about getting pinged on her messages. And then that Thursday, one of her other coworkers also took a lunch break and told them that that she would need support over the lunch break. And then, excuse me, by Friday, her other, another coworker said, that not only was she taking a lunch break, she was also going to do a yoga class at lunch. And what I don't think that my client realized in the moment and what we were able to discover was like, she created this ripple effect that like not only allowed her to start taking lunch, but it got her entire team to start thinking about how they were spending their time at lunch and able to like move their bodies, which also is helpful for the business. It's helpful for their productivity. If you think about it, if she if that person has people that she lives with, like they were also affected by her ability to take a break. And so being able to understand that when we take breaks, it allows other people to take breaks as well is like my favorite ripple effect. That's, that's possible. Yeah. Essentially we need to lead by example. (laughs) Um, So uh, we are all super busy, overloaded uh, by our day-to-day life. What is a critical element to achieve a good work-life balance? Apart, uh, yeah, apart a lockdown. (laughs) I actually think the lockdown has made work-life balance a little more challenging because you can be reached at any time in everyone's home. We all know that we're working from home. And so what if like boundary, not boundaries, what if time available is not free time. Like this is my free time. It's not necessarily when I'm available. And so going back again to the boundaries, which I think is always going to be the most critical, but really prioritizing what's important to you. And so setting up your day so that it looks like what you want, not that you feel like you're forced to do or forced in your career to do at work. And so those that can look like, um, setting time in the morning where you don't take meetings before a certain 
time of day. Maybe it's nine, maybe it's 10, maybe it's eight. If that makes more sense for, for your business, but like making sure that you get to decide. And then when people start requesting meetings at that time, being certain to say, I don't take calls then and meaning it. So as soon as someone starts trying to press on that, on that uh, prioritization of yours, you have to say no. So they understand that you're, you're set. People like rules. People like boundaries to sit around, like be around. And if you say say that, like uh, one of my clients recently messaged me and she was like, how do you tell a person not to make an appointment, like not to book a time on my calendar at for an 8 a.m. meeting at 9.45 p.m. the next the night before. I'm like, well, first, did you take it? Second, like you got to tell people that you're not available then. Like if people don't know, it's not them, it's you. It's you not telling them that it that it's a problem. And so they don't think it's a problem. And so really understanding that we're in charge of the rules around our life And this also becomes pretty challenging because there's a lot of cultures that are really toxic and don't believe in work-life balance at all. And so figuring out where to add it in your day, maybe you, like there's a video on uh, a TED talk where um, I'm forgetting who did it, but he said that one day he turned off his, he like removed his notifications and chat app off of his phone for one day. He was like, nothing happened. And then he did it for a week and nobody noticed. And then he did it for a month and nobody noticed. And it's just like those tiny things, like to just check and see if people are paying attention or if it matters to, to see if you can add a few more minutes to your day of that work-life balance. And also understanding that like, it's never a balance. It's always like a price, like it's never going to be even some days your career is going to be more important. And some days your kids are going to be more important. So understanding that it doesn't balance out day to day, but it is important to understand, like it does balance out over, over time. So make sure that you are getting that time in with your kids. Make sure you are getting that time in with your spouse. Cause if I, when I think about like how much time we spend at work, eight hours a day, let's say 40 hours a week, let's say we don't even spend that much time with our loved ones. Like it's it's crazy. Yeah, Really? Um, so, um, we talk about, uh, change in general, well, career change, um, but change is something that is uncomfortable, um, for us human beings, and we are all resistant to it. How can we stop bringing our past into our future? I love this question. I think what happens when we leave a job that we've been burned out at, or I've seen, you become like complacent is that we don't grieve it or we don't move through it. And we take the habits that made us burned out in our last jobs and we take it into our new job. And so we get into the flow of like emailing really quickly and responding, trying to be the best person on the team. When you first start a new job, like making the, like integrating into the culture so much of the new company that you forget what was important to you in the first place. And I think the way to do that is like, before you start a job, like actually take a break. Like I talked to a recent client who took a month off in between. And she was like, not until the second week that I was off, was I able to like get the mental trash out of my head that was related to my last job because we leave a job that we didn't like. And we're still stuck in those habits. We're still stuck in the habit of 
worrying that our boss is messaging us on a Friday evening or that we're going to get a message in the middle of the night for a morning meeting. And so the way that we stop that is to take breaks and to also understand like how, like what responsibility we can take for the suffering that we're having at work. Like, are we not setting boundaries? Are we not taking time to move during the day? Are we taking lunches? Are we taking care of ourselves? And also, are we making sure that the people around us know how to support us and that we know how to ask for help? So um, I, I I did some research about you and the work you do. <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> well, I love it. And I'm really curious to know more about this topic, uh, masculine mojo and feminine flow, the tips for your job search. What can uh, you yes. talk about this? <laughs> Uh, masculine flow, flow uh, masculine mojo and feminine flow is one of my, uh, I just love how it sounds. Cause I've been doing a lot of like studying of the divine masculine and the divine feminine. And when I thought about the job search, I find that a lot of us, if so stepping back, the divine feminine is the, the radiant being who flows through the day. It, we all have both inside of us. Some days we need more of the other. And the feminine flow is like knowing when to take naps, knowing when to take care of ourselves, being really good at like showing up and flowing through the conversation, being quote lazy, right? Just like you could stay in bed all day and watch Netflix, like it, and not in a bad way. It's just like a nourishing way of like, it's a, a really great show and you feel entertained or like um, I think of like Ursula, the sea witch from the little mermaid, not because I believe in her morals, but because she was just like stepping so much into her embodiment of who she was. And she didn't like beg Prince Eric to love her. She just like showed up and she's like, this is who I am. Do you want it? He obviously did, but like, cause there wouldn't be a movie otherwise, but like, it's lucky. the Exactly. It's the, um, it's the, uh, it's the, the feeling of like being a lighthouse, like the, the feeling comes to you, you sit in it, it's values. It's, it's what's important to you. The masculine mojo, the masculine divine masculine is more of like, this is how we get things done. This is how we are productive. This is what we do to run a society. This is how we build buildings and neither of them is wrong or bad or better than the other. They just need to be linked together to be successful. And so when I think about a job search that we always start when normally when people start a job search, they start with resume, interview, negotiations, and that's super masculine and it's great and it gets things done. But if we forget the other piece, which is more feminine, it's like, what do you actually want to be doing? What's going to bring you joy? What's going to bring you fulfillment? What's going to bring you actualization and realization of your dreams first and then do it because you'll be more successful with that flowing feminine energy if you put it into the into the masculine mojo. And so what I like to do in my recent course is like the first two weeks, I was like, we're not really going to do a lot this first two weeks. We're going to write out our our favorite things to do and we're going to do as many as possible. We're going to write out our success stories and remind ourselves that we're freaking awesome. We're going to um rest as much as possible. I want you to be spending and calling people that you love and checking in with them and doing more informational interviews. And then the last half is when I will tell you how to write a resume. I will help you get really great interview answers and we'll figure out how to negotiate, but I can't give you 
I find that if I don't do the first part, people get, that's when they get stuck. But if we get into like, what's important, people say things like, oh, wow, I knew exactly what to write in my cover letter, or my resume was so easy to write, or I felt so aligned when I was interviewing. Oh, I felt so authentic when I answered the questions that the hiring manager was answering me. And without understanding what you actually want, it just feels like disorienting or like dis, yeah, I guess disorienting in an, in an interview. Cause you don't actually believe what you're saying <laughs> sometimes. So do you have any interesting or funny stories? I'm sure you have to share with us about your multiple careers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, when I was working at Whole Foods, I was, like I said, leading the customer service team and it was around Halloween. And one of my, I, I like notoriously always wore basically the same outfit, jeans, whatever shoes, some slides, actually some dance goes, and then a green hoodie with a green or brown scarf every single day, my hair up in like a crazy bun. My, my cashier came in one day dressed as me for Halloween. And it was like, (laughs) (laughs) it was the funniest thing that I've ever seen. And it was the only day I didn't wear that hoodie. So it was, (laughs) it made me laugh so hard. So there, I have like a picture of us wearing, like looking the same and it was one of the guys on my team. So it was like very funny that he had dressed up as me. Um, Another thing that one that came to mind, my husband always makes fun of me for this is when I was actually at one point I worked at Levi's and I was doing, I was at the cash register checking someone out. They had bought a ton of gift cards and all the, and at the time when someone used their credit card, we had to like double check that it was them by saying, thank you, Mr. Person, or thank you person. And I looked at it and I was like, thanks, uh, Mr. Young. And he was like, yep, that's me. And so he took his cards back left, right? Three of my coworkers came up to me crying and they were like, you just checked out Neil Young. (laughs) (laughs) No idea. (laughs) And they just like were blown away. But I had never, I had like in these jobs, I'd been like Jake Gyllenhaal. I've met a couple other celebrities, but not until my favorite yoga instructor, Rusty Wells came into my line while I was ringing up once. Did I like become starstruck? And I was just like, oh my God, like (laughs) I couldn't talk. Like I didn't know what to say. And it was so amazing to me that like my yoga instructor had arrived. Oh, that's nice. It's nice uh, to have some um, some experiences during uh, our different careers, so mm-hmm. we can uh, remember. Uh, I, I have a specific uh, time in my life. Uh, I met lots of people from different countries, and um, for some reason, I, when I think about that experience, I think like I was young at the time. <laughs> it's like so long, so long ago, and by the time you were feeling like a grow up, no, but exactly. Uh, but now thinking like, oh, I was so young and uh, everything was different, but, you know. Oh, my God, uh, that's so true. Yeah, when you look back, things look a little bit idyllic. Maybe it wasn't like that, really, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just remembered another time. I used to work at a bagel shop also, and every quarter we would get new knives to cut the bagels. And I remember that every single time with a new knife, I'd like slice my hand open. It was just like part <laughs> of 
part of the job. Like, how is that part? Like, that's what? not a great memory to have, I guess. <laughs> it's not. But all these all these stories are now like flooding into my mind when you when you ask that. So, uh, what type of advice would you give to anyone along their path of self realization? Mm, I. I think the advice would be that it's really all a practice and showing up is the the really the most important part and not judging what you did, what you what you did in the past. Like I could kick myself over and over now for not just doing coaching right away. But if I did that, then I wouldn't have gotten the experience that I needed to be where I am today. And so understanding that we can provide forgiveness to ourselves, but also that it's always a learning. Like there's no, like when I remember writing that letter to myself, like I wish I could just be like, there's no such thing as failure. Like it's only just learning and then reguided back to our center, reguided back to our North star and reguided back to our path of self-realization that doesn't. And that's, I guess now that's coming to me is like, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. That's it. Like whatever you think is important. Like that's the most important thing. What advice would you give to moms looking to change their career? I think the same advice, like it's a lot of what we're afraid of is just like a moment of fear. And as soon as we ask for help, or I guess I would say get help in any way that you can. If that's a career coach, if that's hiring someone to do some of your laundry, if that's hiring someone to wash your dishes once a week or something, or clean your house, like whatever way you can give that, that like worthiness to yourself, that really spreads into the way that you can show up for yourself in your career and show up for your, your kids also. And uh, while we have the last question, if you could give yourself a piece of advice, what would you say to a younger self? I would probably say like dance more. And, (laughs) (laughs) um, but seriously, I would say like, you got this, like it, it's all going to be okay. And learn how, learn now how to ask for help. Because asking for help and getting help are very different things. And I would love for me to know how important it is for for my success. Well, thank you so much, Nick, for joining us today. Uh, If anyone would like to get in touch with you, uh, where they can find you? They can find me on my website at nickfrick.com. That's N-I-C-F-R-I-C-K.com. Or on Instagram, which is where I love to play the most, at Hey, Nick Frick. Thank you. And thank you for sharing your inspirational career change story and wisdom. And the last message for our listeners, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and tune in next week for a new inspirational episode of the Career Changers. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Thank you.